football game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jack. I don't care if we never get back. Let me root, root, root for the home team. If they don't win, it's a shame. So it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the you want to sing, don't you? Or you want some sunflower seeds or chewing tobacco or something in your mouth right now, don't you? Hey, thank you for being with us today. For those of you that are joining us online, we want to welcome you. Come on, can we just welcome those that are dialed in watching us online today? Thank you for being with us here. And we pray that you've already had an encounter with the Spirit of God. Amen. I was reminded this week that the Holy Spirit is heat. He brings the heat. Amen. He's fire. And we pray that you've already encountered him here today. Hey, would you welcome to the platform right now, the mother dove, the lady of the house, Angie Brown. Pastor Angie is going to, she's going to help me today. I, I got a text message this morning from one of my nieces says, hey, I'm praying for you today. As you preach, I said, I mean, I've got like backup that's going to correct all my mistakes today. Uh, Pastor Angie is in the house and going to speak today with me. And we want to continue to uh, encourage you because, um, uh, we all face setbacks sometimes, do we not? We've been in this series entitled Curveball. If you've not been with us, we want to encourage you to go back online and listen to some of the previous messages. But the reality is in life, nothing goes as we oftentimes plan for it to go. Are you with me? Anybody ever been thrown a curveball? Something that just caught you by surprise, it caught you off guard. You had your life mapped out, planned out. You were moving a certain direction with a certain velocity and all of a sudden, bloop, something happens, right? Something totally unexpected. The enemy loves to jack us up. Are you with me today? So we've been in this series curveball. Of course, this is the best time of the year. Not March Madness, but spring training is in full swing. And the first pitch will be thrown out here in a few weeks. And we're excited about the start of baseball season. I love baseball. I love it. I, I'm not so good at it any longer. But at one time, there was, it was the joy of my life. I love playing baseball. Right, Stick? Number you one. good, too, playing. I used to look good. But anyway, uh, hey, uh, 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 but if you've been with us in, in, over the last few weeks, we talk about how in, in the game of baseball, a crafty pitcher, a pitcher that's worth his salt, will be able to mix in sometimes some pitches that, that just don't look normal. We call those curveballs sometimes in, in, in the game of baseball. It just spins a little bit different, the ball does. It comes at a different velocity. It moves from here to here, and it can make the best of hitters look silly in the batter's box. That's why I love baseball. If you hit it one out of, or three out of ten times, you're considered a Hall of Fame player, right? Come on. What other areas of life can you just succeed 30% of the time and be called a Hall of Famer. No. 30% of your marriage, I'm going to love my wife 30% of this month. Not going to happen. Wouldn't work, would it? I'm going to show up to work 30% of the time this week, Tyler. Wouldn't happen, right? No, no, no. No, but, but I love baseball. Listen, I, I, I've talked about how a good curveball is hard to hit. Okay? And, 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 and there have been many a pitcher that made me, even in my playing days, look ridiculous. But there was one time, Todd... I made contact. And, 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 and all those other thousands of times that I struck out facing, listen, they all pale in comparison because you know what? I remember the one that I did hit, Mike. 
the one I did hit. My freshman year in college, regional tournament, Dallas Baptist University. I think we were playing Grand Canyon University. Uh, I was the number nine hole hitter. If you know anything about baseball, most of the time they stick the worst hitter in the nine hole slot or the pitcher, depending on if you're in the National League or whatever. But, but I was there, and, um, and, and I was batting ninth that day. We're in the regional tournament, and uh, the pitcher on the, uh, on the mound for the opposing team had a tendency, good coaching, they pick up tendencies. The pitcher had a tendency to start the batter off with a curveball. Now, again, I've already told you a good curveball is hard to hit. But occasionally, a pitcher will do something with the curveball. He hangs it means that the ball doesn't break as hard or spin down as diffi- at, a, at, a, at a difficult rate or pace or, or angle as normal. And it just kind of hangs up there, kind of floats there. We had a saying in our dugout that if he hangs it, you bang it. And so I step up to the plate knowing that the, the, the pitcher has a tendency to start with the curveball. I would never swing at a curveball, ever, especially first pitch, unless he hangs it. If he hangs it, you bang it, right? Bases loaded, nine-hole hitter, 6'2", 210-pound freshman from Wiley, Texas. Steps Looking up to, good. Yeah. Casey at the bat, right? I step up, and sure enough, he starts with a curveball. And Ray, sure enough, it hung there, and my eyes lit up. Now, a batter likes to jack with the pitcher every once in a while. Get in the batter's box and kind of wink at him or kiss him or something like that, just to kind of mess him up. I don't know what I did that day, but he threw the curveball, and it, it was like, it was just there on a tee. And stick, I swung with everything I had, and I made contact. The only curveball I ever remember hitting Tony White in my life, and it took off, and it went out of the park, over the fence, grand salami, grand salami, amazing, never forget it, right? Wow. Here's the reality. There were thousands upon thousands of times I swung and I missed. But one I made contact with, and it kept me coming back for more. That's like life, isn't it? The reality is there are going to be times in life in which we're thrown something we totally aren't expecting, and we're going to swing and we're going to miss. There are going to be times in which we're going to look sick and silly and foolish, maybe even in front of other people's eyes because of something that's just come at us unexpected. But remember what we've been talking about over this series, that, 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 that it's not the knockdown that defines you, but it's the get up. get up. All those times in which I'd swung and missed, and I knew better, I knew better than to swing at a curveball on the first pitch. But this day, it just, oof, it was my time to take out vengeance, says the Lord. Amen. <laughs> And it's that one time I continued to swing, I didn't give up, and I made contact. The reality is life never goes, the many of you have already declared, as we plan for it to go. That the enemy is crafty, like a pitcher on the mound, and he he throws things at us that we totally are not expecting. And what will we do in those moments? And we're going to swing and we're going to miss a lot of times in life, but how will you respond to that? You can stay down, you can, can let that setback keep you defeated, or you can see that maybe setback as a setup for something greater. Are you with me today? Today, we want to wrap up this series entitled Curveball, and we want to talk about a couple of areas in particular in which the enemy seems to be having a heyday in our world today. He, 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 he attacks these areas, and, and, and it seems like if he can win, if he can 
keep us off balance, if he can throw something at us to just mess us up when it comes to our marriages or with some sort of a family setback, man, I'm telling you, in fact, a lot of you here today, let's just be, can we just be honest right now? How many of you right now would say, you know what? I've been thrown a curveball when it comes to my marriage or my family. I'm going through it right now. It's a difficult season. It's not fun. There's a struggle there, right? Um, we have that. And I want you to know and understand something today. We do not sit here today and profess to having all of this figured out. We don't. We still make you laughing. Not at all. Okay, you don't have to be that transparent with people, but, but we make mistakes. And there are some things that we know that we should be about, but we still swing and we miss sometimes. Or the enemy attacks us from a certain angle that we never saw coming, right? And he has a field day. I want to remind us of this verse of scripture that we started our series with. It's found in the book of James chapter one. Aren't there some things in the Bible just like, man, I just don't know if I really believe that. (laughs) Uh, Or it doesn't make sense. It's kind of a paradox. you don't want to believe. Yeah. (laughs) It's a paradox of some sort, right? James writes these words to us in James chapter one, verse two through four. It says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, Consider it an opportunity for great joy. Again, I struggle with that. When troubles of any kind come my way, how can I consider that an opportunity? It's an opportunity. It's a, so, so it depends on how I view it or how I respond to it. But there is an opportunity. It can knock me down or, or it can be something that, that he says will bring you great joy. Wow. Come on, James. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. And so let it grow. Let it, let it grow, right? For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Hey, what if we would begin to see these setbacks or these curveballs maybe as an opportunity for God to do some work in us? What the enemy sees and what you may see as a setback could be a setup for something greater that God has for your life. When it comes to marriage, Angie, there are some curveballs that we oftentimes face. Sicknesses, there are some issues in which there's fighting and difficulties. I know that we would never be able to relate to even today, right? Maybe today. Go ahead. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. I'm a big boy. On the way, even in between services. So there you go. There's the truth, the real and the raw. There was a little argument in the brown marriage. But it's good. We forgave each other. No judgment. No judgment. Work in progress. It's an opportunity for great joy, is it not? (laughs) Y'all think less of us because we fought? Money can be curveballs that the enemy uses. Even even those little things we call blessings. Kids? (laughs) Sometimes they're holy terror, are they not? And those things can be a curveball when they don't act or respond the way that we thought that we they, think should. they should. So anyway, That's usually yeah. what gets us in trouble. People don't act the way we think they should. But I, I would say that just as we just said, communication breakdown, that's a big one that we, we face. These are some things we face. You may not. Y'all are perfect. We're not. Uh, money, like you said. Uh, friendships, kind of lack of friendships or like not the right friends. Anybody ever not had the right friends? Mm. Yeah. And then one for us, and I, and I think most people do this, it's outside assumptions 
or as you like to call coaching. People kind of uh, they offer their, their coaching tidbits to us. Yeah, yeah. To this us is what for you our should marriage do. Yeah. Or for our kids or mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, I, that happened to anybody ever? People put their nose where, yeah. Ooh, it's hard. I'm, yeah. And, and, and yeah, it, it is is difficult. I, I was reminded this week, we were talking with a, a couple that, and just kind of sharing with them some things in which we were going to be sharing today. And you know, hey men, men, aren't you grateful for your wife? Those of you that are married. And, and listen, okay, two of you are. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. Every but, man, clap and, your and if hands. And if you're single here, listen, I, ladies, I pray that you would not settle for anything less than God's best for you. Find you a good godly dude, all right? Don't you settle for something less than that, right? Uh, but, 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 man, I, I, aren't we thankful for our wives? We know that Scripture says that God created a woman, a helper. Hebrew word is azer. She was the azer. She completed Adam, right? God looked at man and saw that he was lacking something. <laughs> well, a lot, right? And that's okay. He completed somebody, but, but she's a blessing. And I was reminded this week as I was thinking that somebody said, you know, uh, my dad used to always tell me, this was a lady saying that women civilize men. Don't they? They, they? they civilize us. They, I mean, if it were up to us, we'd be running around in our underwear, eating raw meat, howling at the moon. And that's what we would do all the days really? of our lives, right? Really? We, we'd probably watch NASCAR all the time, you know, and, and <laughs> yeah, a bunch of rednecks here. But, but women have an, a way of civilizing us as dudes. They, they complete us. They make us better, right? Yeah, yeah, we do. And you know, the Bible begins and ends with marriage. Mm. Did you know that? So in the book of Genesis, it begins with the creation of woman for man, for his azer. Mm-hmm. It ends because in Revelation, Jesus talks about he is going to be the bridegroom and bring his bride, the church, home. And so it begins and ends with it. What was the first miracle that Jesus did at a wedding? So marriage is a big, big deal to, to God, right? Yeah, it is. And Satan has always been after marriages, always, mm-hmm. right? Yep. He is going to come. He's going to try to twist. He did that in the very first thing that, that we read about Satan doing once he fell from heaven, right? He had pride in him. He yep. fell from heaven. But then the first thing he did on earth yep. was what? Mess with Adam and Eve. That's right, he did. And try to come in and destroy their you marriage. You know, a lot of times in marriages, we think that marriage is about us being happy, yeah, right? That's not a thing. And, and a lot of times we just feel like it's, it's about... <laughs> I mean, no, <laughs> I'm just saying happy say, that was your is based on happiness. Voice. You have a microphone I mean, happy, happiness is... Happiness is based on happiness. But most of the time, we think that the mission of our marriage is just to, to be happy and to have 2.3 kids and to have money in the bank and just create some memories. But, but when you, you talk about God creating marriage, and, and I think God had a, has a bigger plan for our marriages than what we oftentimes think about. It's not just a matter of surviving and being married and celebrating the 50-year whatever marriage, but, 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 but I think there's a greater goal. Yeah. And, and I think that goal in our marriage is to glorify him. Yeah. I, I think that that's why he brought man and woman together, that, that he had something greater that he wanted to, he wanted the both of them to continue to honor, glorify him, to work for him, to, to take care of what he had entrusted to them. And, and in fact, we can get sidetracked from that very thought, I believe, in very life. Easy. In fact, I think that's why Paul might have even said in like around 1 Corinthians chapter 7, that it might be good for some of you not to marry, because what happens is we can tend to look to 
our marriage to complete us or to fulfill us and, and think that that is all that God has for our lives. When ultimately, listen, your mission here on earth is to serve God and to please him and to build his kingdom and to advance his mission here on earth. And so if, if I begin to look for my, to my spouse in a way that, that interferes with me accomplishing my mission here on earth, that's when things begin, can become, well, skewed and not as they were originally intended for. And you talked about this thing called sin. Right. It does that. Yeah. And I mean, no person is ever going to complete you. That's not a thing. It's God. He's the only one who can complete us. Uh, John 10, 10, I love this version. It's in the passion version. And it says this, a thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. Mm. But I... That's the Lord, have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow. I love that. Yeah, the thief wants to jack up your marriage. He wants to throw these curveballs at you. And and for someone listening here today, you might say, He's winning. Yeah. And I'm I'm down two strikes already, and he's about to spin something else at me right now. You know, he's done that all throughout Scripture. In fact, did you know that in the Bible, there are only four chapters in which you won't find this thing called sin that Angie referred to? You won't find it present. Genesis chapter 1 and 2, the very first chapters of the Bible, and then the very last two chapters, Revelation 21 and 22. But from Genesis chapter 3 to Revelation chapter 20, you're going to find this thing called sin represented there. You're, you're going to find an enemy that jacks with people, Adam and Eve. He did it to Abraham, who was God's chosen one. David, a man after God's own heart. Jacob. I mean, you're going to find all these great men and women of Bible, and you're going to find this thing called sin present. That's what the enemy does. He wants to jack us up. Too. He wants to throw a curveball at us. And that, but I love what you said about the second part of that verse. Is about, But Jesus says, but I want to give you something better than that. What the enemy's meant for evil, listen, I have something far greater in store for you. Hey, guys, can I just tell you something when it comes to your marriage right now? You need Jesus in your marriage. You do. You need Jesus. Now, I, I know that even as Christian couples, that doesn't mean that we're immune from the curveballs that come our way, right? Not the great all. hitters, they still face those, those times of, of challenge and difficulty. You will face that in your marriage. Because if God is for something, as Angie said, there is someone who's against it, right? Yeah. There is. Yeah. But, 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 but the best chance for our marriage to survive is when a husband and wife pursue the creator of that marriage together. She said, God created it. Yeah. He created that. We use a, a symbol that you kind of did. We use a triangle a lot of times when we're doing marriage, um, the, the yeah, camera. marriage counseling. And that's my stomach. You can't see you, but that's okay. okay. Right there. There you go. So on the ends, on the bottom is is the husband, and on the other side is the wife. This is and then so the, high tech right now. It is. And then in the middle, at the top, is God. And it's simply, if you both pursue God, and you're both pursuing him as you meet him, you're gonna grow closer together. So as we go up that little slope um, called marriage, yep. you're gonna reach the top. And as you pursue holiness, mm. you will find hey, that's, joy. That's important. Do, do you realize, I'm just gonna mess you up a little bit. She, and actually, she, blame it on her. She said it first. But hey, what if marriage wasn't about you being happy? Oof. But what if marriage was about you being holy? 
In fact, can I, just want to, I hate to burst somebody's bubble today, but God wants you to be holy, not happy. We are, you won't find in scripture that God says, I want you to pursue happiness. No. But what you are, we are challenged is to pursue holiness. Be holy as I am holy. Now, I believe that as we pursue holiness and become more and more like Jesus, hey, men, you're going to be a better husband to your wife. Right, ladies? Yes. Come on, is there a lady in this house that I just don't want my husband pursuing Jesus because I, Jesus, I don't think he, yeah. no, we want him to look more like Christ, right? And vice versa, that if our wives are pursuing holiness, she's going to be more attractive. I mean, it, just, it just works better that way. We use this phrase, this makes a great ending to a Disney movie, they lived happily ever after. But is that reality in life? Come on, somebody. You know, some of the best fights happen between this, this man and woman of God yeah. sometimes too, right? Yeah. We saw it in scripture. Yeah. But listen, you're not always going to be happy. But, but I, that's why I love the reminder in Revelation chapter 3 of the church in Philadelphia that, 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 that they were loyal and their loyalty led to, to lasting love. Wow, there are going to be days in a marriage in which you're not happy with one another. It's, it's been present in ours today on the Lord's day, right? <laughs> As we stand on the stage. Yeah, got to preach and anyway. Um, so, but, but holiness is, is my pursuit. But there are some, some, some things that I think that we could share that might help them develop this lasting love. Being, yeah. you know, I think Craig Rochelle mentions five things he that does. we, we want to share and, today. And, and it's, the number one is seeking God, mm. pursuing holiness. And I just want to stop and say, holiness, that's knowing more of who Jesus is and being like him. It's not religion. It's mm. holiness. It's a relationship. So it's seeking God. Fight fair. That's super important, <laughs> y'all. We can be dirty when we're fighting. Don't Throw some do low that. blows. Yeah. That's hitting below the belt. That's yeah. wrong. Yeah. yeah, it's wrong. Remember that. Okay. <laughs> have fun. This, this have was fun. a bad idea. This was a really bad idea. Have fun. Are you having fun? Tons. <laughs> you told me to have so fun. Good. Yes. Yeah. What's number Stay four? Pure. Pure. Yeah. Stay pure. Stay pure. <laughs> Stay pure. I am. Stay pure. Um, that Greek in the Greek, I think that means don't make fun of your husband and point his <laughs> shortcomings out somewhere. I don't know. I was making anyone. fun of myself too. Stay pure. And that, I mean, keeping your eyes only for your spouse. Super important. You know? Hey, I, we, I, yeah. Go you ahead. Say? No, no, you go ahead. No, you go so, ahead. So, I mean, people are attractive, right? So you're going to notice, he's going to notice a beautiful woman when they walk in. It's what he does with his eyes. Does he glance and move? What do you call it? Bouncing your eyes. Bounce your eyes. Or does he just gaze? Yeah. Don't do that. That gets yeah. you in trouble. D- David, David saw Bathsheba and, and it's okay that it's okay that he, I mean, he has eyes and he said, but the problem with David is when he lingered there yes. and when he went back for a second look and that, you know what I'm saying? And the more you linger there, that's when, ooh, the enemy starts jacking with you a little yeah. bit, yeah. I think when you see someone attractive, remember why your spouse was attractive to you when you first met him. Mm. What, was the, what was the thing? Have a picture of him when they were young and you fell in love, or old when you fell in love, right? I think you look better. Thanks, I, mean, I think you, were, you, you do were, too. Looking back, but you, look... you did look good in those pants, but you yeah. still do. All right, and never give up. Did you like that? No, thank you, Appreciate Never give up. Making up for making me feel insignificant earlier, but that's okay. <laughs> I still ne- never love give you. up. That's loyalty. That's steadfastness. That's being committed, right? 
It's staying with it in the good times and the bad times. All these are great bullet points on a, in a sermon, but the reality is, guys, we can't live these things out on our own. It's not about willpower. Sometimes it is, but, but listen, I'm telling you, it, it's hard. The enemy's after your marriage right now. And he's jacking with you. We need the Spirit of God to to help us live these things out. In fact, I I did have a verse that I had written under the bill of my baseball hat. It was was Philippians 4.13 that says, I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. You see, Christ gives us the power to live these things out that Pastor Angie just described, right? But but on my own and without his his power within me, I, I, I probably... I'm not going to be successful there. So what are some practical things that, that maybe we can encourage people yeah, in their marriage? To me, one of the things that we have as believers is something that non-believers don't have is the opportunity to pray, okay. to, to go to the Father and pray. And the Holy Spirit knows what we're thinking, so just saying it to Him, right? Um, you forgive easily and quickly. We did that early. We forgave easily and quickly. And we're working on our communication. So I, I say we get gold stars today, Jay. Thank you. Okay. Counseling. You have two people that come together in a relationship, and it is okay to get counseling, mm. whether that be maybe in the church. We have this awesome ministry called Restoration. If you have things that are broken from your past, we can connect you with licensed professional counselors. Absolutely. We do a little bit about this much of marriage counseling because then we normally send you off, right? Yeah. Um, read books. There's a lot of great books out there about marriage. We have some even in our retail area. Restore. Restore. And um, date each other. You Mm. know, remind, like I said, remind yourself of why you fell in love in the first place. We all change, but there were things that you loved and it might be making a list. And then there's a great resource that we have recently come um, to know about. It's called Mm marriagehelper.com. And you can go on there. There's great videos, um, great resources for anywhere you're at in your marriage. Yeah. It's not just our marriages that the enemy loves to jack with, but it comes. it's broader than that, our home as well. And, so much. And it, it, it has an effect on our family, on our kids, and, yeah. and, and, and all of that. I, I think of sometimes with our, with our kids, like even moving or uh, communication breakdowns, yeah. all of those we types of things. We never have those you know. communication uh, Yeah, I mean, there's just all ever. sorts of struggles. So, hey, and I know that for some of us in this room, maybe we don't have kids in the home. And, and, and in fact, I remember we, we lobbed it out on our social media this week to, hey, w- when have you been throwing a curveball in your family? And, and one of the comments was, uh, you know, with, with adult children, what do you do with them? Uh, you know, as parents, we, we, we have them for a certain amount of time, 936 weeks, really, from, from the day they're born till they're 18 and theoretically move out of our, our home, right? But, but what, do you, what, you know, what, what do you do with those kids when they're older and they're adults? And, Pray a lot. And it's hard when they're, they're not, you know, still falling under your authority or whatever it can, it can be. But, but what would you say maybe to some of the parents that that still have opportunities while the, the cement's still wet, the, you know, the die's not being cast. What would you say to some of them? I think the first thing I would say is enjoy the moment. Enjoy every moment. And that, that really goes for no matter how old your kids are, I would say enjoy every moment you have with them. You know, I love to, when I see young moms at the grocery store and their kids are, you know, there's like three in the car and they're going crazy. And I'm like, listen, 
Just enjoy it. The days are long. You mamas, the, late, the days are so long and the nights are long sometimes, mm-hmm. but the years are so short. That's true. I have pictures yeah. of our girls when they were little in our car and I just, I can't believe how quick the time went. Yeah, that's right. I think it's important also for you young parents to remember who's the boss in your home. That's so and it's, true. It's, it's, it's not the four-year-old. We have too many kids CEOs running our homes today, right? And they're dictating what we eat, when we eat, what we're going to watch on TV and, 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 and all of that good stuff. Um, uh, and, and, and it's easy. It's easy to just let your kids run the show, but just be careful there. And, and with it, I would say set some boundaries yeah, with, with them as well, you know, about, hey, this is bedtime and this is your bed. Mommy and daddy's is not your bed. You have your own and we pay big bucks for that. And, you know, sleep in your, you know, a little yeah, car or whatever. We had one that would grow up yeah. to yeah. get yeah. Tech to time, you know, I know technology is a great thing for us as parents because it keeps our kids <laughs> off our nerves a lot of times and keeps them quiet in the restaurant. But, but seriously, you need to be careful and, and, and you're the manager of the tech time. Yeah. We used to have our girls they check their... They would plug their stuff into our room. Yeah, check so their the phone in our room. So would all be in our room. And it's almost a relief, I think, to them sometimes to be able to unplug Plus, you get to read their messages then, too. It was awesome. Well, I mean, I'm paying for it, so Um, I'm the boss. Yes, you are. Just saying. Um, you You can clap to that. That's true. Parents, they entrust, God entrusted your kids to you. And so, you know, it's okay to be in their business a little bit, especially when they're 11 and 13 years old. Um, most problems today will not be a problem tomorrow. So remember that. Don't take yourself so seriously. And then I, this is a big one for me. I think saying sorry to our kids. Just like it's really important for me to say I'm sorry to my husband and vice versa. That, that I'm getting saying, better. You are getting Thank better. You. But saying sorry to our kids is yeah. huge because they, they see you demonstrate that. And um, it's big, even when they're itty bitty. Yeah. So. Parents, I would just encourage you. What, what, what are you trying to, to leave behind? Your legacy, right? What, what do you, I, I mentioned we've got just, and Pastor Angie mentioned, we just have a brief time with our kids in our home before we launch them, right? Scripture says we launch them. They're arrows, right? We're sending them out. But, but, but you know, what, what do you want your kids to remember about you? What will your kids remember about you? That's a big question for us to consider. You know, what, what is it? You know, I remember my dad, he worked a lot. Or, hey, you know, I re- remember, you know, he wasn't at my games or what have you. Or, or I, I remember, you know, mom feeling whatever. But have you ever thought about what it is that you want your kids to remember you for? And, um, you know, th- th- this sounds hard, and I don't know if this would ever make a Focus on the Family podcast, but... Um, you know, we're not called to be our kids' friends. And I think too many of us are trying to just be friendly. No, we're, we're called to model. We're called to lead them. We're called to, to direct and, and guide them. We're called to train them up. Train up a child in the way he should go, right? And sometimes training, man, I tell you, it's, it's not fun, is it? Uh, and it's, they're not going to see us as their friends, but hopefully they'll see the value in that. And, years from now. And as so. they become adults, there is time to be their friend. Yeah. But when they're in your home young, that's not the time. There's, it's not, right? Now don't go home and tell your kids, I'm not your friend. No. 
because the opposite, a friend of them is an enemy and you're not their enemy either, okay? So just, just want to make sure I get that out there. Somebody watching on the World Wide oh, Web is like, um, what kind of church is this? This is, this is a church that reads the Bible. How yeah. about that? So I love that. It's we like good. the Bible. So Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9. Famous says, passage, yeah. Famous. It says this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them around your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And the thing I love about this scripture, it's called the Shema, but it was God being intentional with families and with parents. And for one thing, Mm. back then, they didn't have the word of God like this, Mm. okay? So they had to tell the stories. They had to tell the stories of where God had brought the Jewish people out Mm -hmm. and how great the one true God was, what he had done, the miracle after miracle after miracle. And y'all, there are miracles in your life that your kids need to know about. Talk about those miracles. Talk about the way that God, you know what? Daddy works hard and he works long hours because he is providing for us. God has given him an amazing job to be able to provide for our family so that you can have this, this, and this. Tell them, twist those lies that the enemy wants to give them into a truth of God. Yeah, I love that. You know, some practical things that you can do is, is uh, of course, praying for your family. Uh, I think that's a big deal. Moms and dads, and there are several resources in the books. We've got praying scripture over our kids. All of those things are a big deal. Many of you, that might even be a, a thing you do every night as you tuck them in. This idea of, of the church is a big deal. Listen, I found a statistic from Warren Mueller who said this, uh, that uh, where both parents attend church regularly, listen, 72% of their children continue in the faith. Where only the father attends, that percentage drops to 55%. And where only the mother attends church, just 15% of those kids ever remain involved in, in the church. And so listen, the, the, the church is not perfect. The church is not an end all, but hopefully the church comes alongside of those godly things, those instructional things you're doing at home, and we just reinforce and support that. And, um, and, and so I, I think the greatest compliment is that when your kids leave your home, that they would not leave his house. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so that's that's a big we, deal. Some other I, practical I think, things. Yeah, I feel like we do a really cool, we offer a cool um, option to our parents here. There's an email they get, I think once a month or whatever, but it's from, uh, it's called theparentq.org and it's from Orange. And Orange is kind of the material we so use. So the kids the are learning about yeah. in, in the kids' it's, areas. You know, the today, curriculum. Yeah. And, but there are, there's so much great information on there. And then in our restore, we yep. actually have books yep. that talk about like different ages. You can get a little pamphlet or there's an entire book that tells you like, these are the things you should be sharing with your child before you get married. And so I love that. I love that we have those kind of options. I think another thing is um, don't be afraid to ask other people for help. Licensed professional counselors. Again, we have a list in our office if you need help with that. Call us. We would love to share that with you. Um, and focus on the family. You said you had to focus on the family moment that may, they may not take. Sure. But they have a lot of they great have other information. Good things. Don't, don't listen yeah. to me. Yeah. And then most of all, have fun. Have fun together. No matter how old your kids are, have fun. 
have fun with them. Do fun things. Do whatever it is that your family loves to do. Last night, we sat down and watched a movie together as a family, and it was fun. So It was awesome. It was, it was incredible. Good. You know, we have an opportunity to point our kids to Jesus, right? And anytime that we are, again, setting out to do anything that's for Him and honoring to Him, again, there's an enemy that's going to try to, to distract that. And he's going to attack not only you personally, but again, he's going to come at your family. He's going to come at your marriage. He knows that if he can win that battle, it has such a far-lasting effect. Hey, listen, I want to I encourage you with, with a verse from a couple of verses from the book of Lamentations. Um, Jeremiah writes these words in Lamentations after Jerusalem has been captured. Jerusalem's destroyed. The Israelites are now in exile. What, what once was their place, the, 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 the house of God, all of it's just, it's just torn apart now. And Jeremiah's complaining. That's why it's called Lamentations. It's a lament. He's complaining to God about his situation. And and please hear my heart. We're not trying to make light of maybe a season or struggle that you find yourself in today. We all face them again. Every one of us are already declared. Life doesn't go the way that we think it should or expect it to go. There are, there are, there are bumps along the way. There are these curveballs that come, but I love what Jeremiah does in the midst of this season of his life. He begins to refocus not on his situation, but he refocuses on God. So for those struggling today in a difficult season, look what the word of the Lord says. Jeremiah says, I remember something that fills me with hope. The Lord's kindness never fails. If he had not been merciful, we would have been destroyed. The Lord can always be trusted to show mercy each morning. Deep in my heart, I say, the Lord is all I need. I can depend on him. And so could I just encourage you today as we close and get ready to head out that when life overwhelms you, when you've been thrown a curveball, something comes at you unexpected, don't, don't, don't focus on, on those problems around you. Don't, don't focus on those situations. But if we could steal a page from Jeremiah's playbook, can, can we refocus and, and, and turn our attention to God, the one who is more than able? Don't, 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 don't sit around in your despair. I get it. It's easy. I, I, I wish I could say that I have become an expert, but it's real easy for me to get drawn back to what's broken and what hurts where I've met, missed it or messed up. And if I'm not careful, man, the enemy wins that battle in my life and he keeps me there in my despair. Are you with me? Am I talking to anybody or is it just me? But if somehow I can shift my focus and focus on God and give my struggle and give my situation over to him, I'm telling you, things shift. And they change. You know, I just sat here realizing you said he was lamenting to the Lord. He was praying to the Lord. Yeah. Lamentations is Jeremiah's prayer to the Lord. And so that's exactly what you said. When we focus our attention on the Lord, we're praying to him. We're giving him. He knows it all. Mm-hmm. And he's ready to receive it. He just wants us to communicate with him. I love that. 
We used to sing an old hymn in the church I grew up. It says, are you weary? Are you heavy hearted? Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. And it means, makes a difference. He can handle it. Right. Yeah. Can we pray over our family today? Over our in fact, I'm going to invite you all to stand if you would. And hey, Didn't Pastor Angie do a great job today? Aren't you thankful that she was up here to kind of kept me wound kept me reeled in today and all our ministry team is going to be down front here today and and for those of you that are new to us here at 1910 you need to know that every Sunday we care about where you're at we we are concerned about maybe the the burdens you you walked in here with and so we have a team of people and they're going to spread out all the way across the front here and and make themselves available to you today just to pray and offer you a word of encouragement maybe in a season that you're in right now so don't miss this opportunity. Pastor Angie and I just want to pray over you guys today and and just bless you as you leave. How many of you right now just say, you know what, in my marriage or in my home right now, there's a difficulty that we're facing. Can I just see your hands? It's okay. Don't be embarrassed. Keep them up. It's okay. Humble yourself, right, and just declare that it's okay. And those of you, just keep your hands up. Look around the room and maybe you're near somebody today that has their hand lifted. If you feel confident. Just move to them and lay your hands on them as we pray today. Would you do that? And let's just pray for one another. God, I want to thank you for your presence in our lives. God, your presence covers not just those mountaintop moments when we're things are going our way and and we're excited and, and the sun is shining and life is good and the flowers are blooming. No, no. Your presence also goes with us to those deepest, darkest times those struggles, valleys, those times in which the fog has overtaken and we wonder, will we ever see the sun again? We wonder, will we ever come out of this season? God, I'm reminded that seasons change, don't they, guys? And God, I want to pray for that person right now that finds himself in a difficulty. They've been thrown a tremendous curveball and it has jacked them up. God, may they not lose their hope and trust in you. Because even though they may not be able to see you right now and see the outcome, God, the great promise we have is that you are there. You say you never will leave us. You will never forsake us. Lord, I pray that that person in the, in, in the difficulty right now would would remember the promise that there is nothing that can separate us from your love. Neither height or depth, principalities, things present, things that may come. There's nothing that can ever separate us, Father, from your love for us. That you're there with us in those seasons. God, may we be reminded that you're able to take things that look bad and turn it for good. That's what you do. God, may we be reminded of the promise that you are able to do immeasurably more than we could ever dream or ask. You're for us. You're not against us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? So God, I pray that in your way and in your timing, you would pull 
that family that's struggling today, that individual that's struggling today, would you pull them out of this pit and put them in the palace <laughs> and bless them? God, what, what the enemy meant for evil, turn it for good. What we see as a setback may be a setup for that next great assignment you have for us. And God, may we be reminded it's not the knockdown that defines us, but it's the get up. And I pray that we would get up right now and walk in confidence in who you are. We pray all these things in the holy, awesome, powerful, mighty, majestic, grand name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. Have a blessed week. We'll see you soon.